We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. This is my chat uh, with the Magpie Group. Uh, Wallace and David have very kindly come to my place to talk about the group, their plans, the boycott, Shirebrook, and all of that, uh, and try and get some answers for people. I was particularly um, unhappy to see what happened at the weekend as a fan. I'm not part of the Magpie Group and wanted some answers myself, so I decided to collate from social media through questions from people um, who were unhappy with the Magpie Group's actions and and put it to the lads and see what we got back. Um, hopefully the next hour or so will give you some of the answers that you were looking for. If not, I've done my best. Uh, you can always... Uh, get in touch with these lads um, on the Magpie Group, hopefully, um, to get the answers that you're looking for. Um, so thanks very much to everyone who who engaged with this, and I'm desperate personally for, for for the boycott to work because I want rid of Mike Ashley just like you do listening, even if you agree with the boycott or not. And yeah, I'll 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 leave it to Wallace and David to introduce themselves, and you know feel free to give us a tweet at TF Weekly Pod uh, if you've got any questions on the podcast or anything you feel we could have done better. I'm Wallace Wilson, and uh, I've been involved with the uh, Magpie Group uh, since it was first uh, established in July uh, this year. Um, The aims of the group when we uh, set up were quite clear. First of all, we wanted to uh, persuade the club to back Rafa Benitez in the summer transfer window um, because we felt that having finished 10th, it was an opportune moment to kick on. Um, Recognising that that might not happen, our secondary aim was to try to persuade the owner to change his uh, his method of, of uh, running the club by investing more into the infrastructure through the training ground and the academy, as well as into the team. And also, thirdly, recognising that, again, that might not happen, given um, previous history with Mike Ashley, um, that we might end up um, having to campaign for a change of regime at the club, which is where we are now. And I'm David Cresswell. I'm um, not really affiliated or close to any fans groups or fanzines. Um, I'm a sort of lone fan who really just goes to the games, uh, has done for, God, like 44 years, I think I worked out the other day. Um, And I've just found myself sort of agreeing and aligning myself with um, what the Magpie group represent. Um, I don't know any of these guys historically. I've never sort of had a drink with any of them. Um, I've turned up to a few of the, the sort of shop shouting events earlier in the season um, and really I've just come across to sort of uh, put 
as much as anything else, as well as the magpie uh, point across uh, the viewer, a genuine season ticket holder who who is just a, a normal bloke in the street. Um, I suppose the point to make about that is I know there's, I've certainly read a few comments recently that to sort of suggest that the Magpie group are this kind of slightly sinister, um, I don't know, <laughs> Masonic type organisation who, who have, have strange agendas and uh, are impenetrable. And the fact that I'm here sort of speaking on this podcast, um, having only met them literally sort of a handful of weeks ago, demonstrate that's clearly just not the case, you know. <laughs> That brings me on to the first the first set of points to put across to you, lads. In terms of the feedback we've got when we um, publicised this podcast, the fact that you were going to be speaking, lack of transparency was a, a big one that people seem to put against the group. Uh, it's all well and good saying that whether these collection of, of fan groups, but apart from probably you, Wallace, there are very few names against it. Um, you know, here are some questions that listeners have given to us or people on social media. They've said. Do all of the groups that make up the Magpie group back every single decision unilaterally? We never hear which group backs which decision, which group thought this decision was a bad idea. We don't know how decisions are come to. Was there any debate within the group? Was there any debate amongst different fan groups? Uh, you ask the club for transparency, but we get very little from the Magpie group. Often plans are announced from absolutely nowhere with no consultation. And of course you might disagree with this, but this is what people are putting to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, is the group a closed shop for one of, of a better word from me, um, people who think they're influential and don't want to let anyone else in. Obviously, David, you've counted that a little <laughs> bit already. What, what, what I haven't mentioned, of course, was the, uh, the occasion when I was bound and gagged and thrown into the back of a car and taken to uh, the Masonic Lodge where uh, I had to do unspeakable things in front of the Grand Pooh Bar before they would <laughs> even entertain any sort of... No, no, it's absolute rubbish. Um, I, I turned up, um, I think the, the, the day it all sort of kicked off, I'd sent an email into the Magpie group, which you know anybody can do themselves, um, saying that I had a couple of points to feed back and a couple of ideas. And literally within an hour, somebody said, well, actually, they're meeting tonight. If you go along just join in and literally sort of a couple of hours later or a few hours later um, I was sitting down with with Wallace and a few others and going through minutes of meetings and things like that so in terms of introductions and getting in inside the group (laughs) there there is no agenda of that is there an open invitation Uh, yeah there is because I mean basically what happened um, at the very outset we had about uh, five or six different groups um, and individuals uh, involved um, groups like uh, War Flags, um, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, I mean, I Write for True Faith, um, as does uh, Adam Widrington. Um, there was uh, Steve Hastie's uh, group, Fans United, I think it's called. What, Ashley Out, is that kind of... Ashley that, Out, yeah. yeah. So, the, you know, a lot of the groups that, that you've previously seen and heard of from uh, online, uh, things that have been going on. Um, but... We had a couple of meetings and we very quickly uh, realized that two things. First of all, um, we couldn't uh, manage to campaign against uh, Mike Ashley with only a few people. And it was a few people. We're only probably talking about 10 or 20 individuals being involved at that stage. So um, we had a public meeting at Newcastle Labour Club uh, at the beginning of September. And I think we got about two or 300 people along to that. And at that point, we were saying, anybody who wants to join the group, please let us know. Um, we will uh, endeavour to uh, to involve you in every way that we can. Uh, we followed that up with another public meeting, which was attended by Chion Wura and Ian Mains. 
um, MPs uh, to talk about how they could uh, contribute to the uh, the struggle against uh, Mike Ashley. But again, uh, we we invited people at that meeting to to get more involved. Um, and I had a meeting, um, I offered uh, people to come to a meeting to volunteer to participate in the group um, in October, I think it was. Um, and we will be having hopefully another meeting next Tuesday uh, to uh, discuss um, how they can become involved in the West Ham and, and Wolves uh, protests. It's a very, very open group. Um, you know, although it's been a relatively small group of people uh, that have been involved, that's not for the want of trying to expand the group. Um, people who want to get involved can get involved. It's, it's not really driven by the actual groups themselves anyway. The people who yeah. are, are interested in assuring support have historic, perhaps, associations um, with True Faith, for want of a, a, a better example, but that doesn't mean True Faith is an integral part of the Magpie group. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. People can be writers for any fanzine they want. I haven't, well, I used to, way back in the Keegan era, write for the Mag, but I've got no affiliation with the Mag or, or any other sort of uh, group these days. So it's, it's just, if you see a name and associate it back to a fanzine, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that fanzine is turning up to every Magpie group en masse and mm. sort of verifying and validating every decision or every idea that comes through. We, we have um, meetings probably about once every four to six weeks where we review what's been going on and think about what, what we want to do next. And they're very democratic meetings. Um, you know, people, everybody can have a say. Um, and generally, we seem to arrive at a plan of action by way of consensus rather than somebody saying, I'm not doing that, or I really want to do this, and if you won't agree with me, then I'm going to do it anyway myself. <laughs> it doesn't seem to work that way. It seems to be very consensual. Um, and as a result, I think that's one of the reasons why we've been um, fairly solid in terms of the, um, the way we've been putting forward our uh, plans. Um, there hasn't been anybody from the Magpie group that I'm aware of has come out and said, I didn't agree with this. Because basically what, what happens is we've had a, a really good talk about it and generally agreed that actually this is the way to do it. So things like the, um, the boycott and the 11th minute walk-in, um, the, you know, the, the struggles at, uh, outside of various uh, shops and things like that, all of those have come about as a result of long discussion um, where people identify the pros and cons and then eventually conclude that, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So back to the, the transparency issue then, I think one of the, the p things that people have struggled to get their head around is the group releases a public statement earlier in the season that it isn't going to do anything in the ground to affect the players, it's going to continue to, to mm. you know, protest outside of the grounds with the very direct message, we don't want to affect the players, and then all of a sudden, on a Friday night, the statement's released saying we're going to boycott this game, we're going to walk in. And I think, I think maybe some fans have struggled to understand how you've made that catastrophic leap, as they would put it, mm. to something which they backed, which was stay outside the ground. And those people might have thought, felt you know, inclu included in your action and, and supported it. And then all of a sudden you've switched that mm. on, on its head. We're going to be in the ground. We're going to be doing this very mm. shortly. And it's going to be in bit, pretty much the, the most direct form of protest you can take is a boycott. How, how, how do you think the group, or why did the group 
leap so much. Like, what happened? Well, I think that's what a lot of supporters want to know. What happened? This was a direct result of the public meeting that we had in um, the two meetings that we had in September and October. And just to be clear, I was actually outside of, def very definitely the outside of the group. So part party to that sort of yeah. conversation that was going. So on. we had we had this meeting at um, we had the first meeting in September um, at the at the Labour Club and asked people for ideas um, of uh, how we should take the protest forward. A lot of suggestions were made. We took a record of all of those, um, and then we sort of um, synthesised them into, I think it was about 11 uh, options, which we then put back to the second public meeting in October, where we asked people to, uh, and there were about three or 400 people there, we asked people to vote in terms of what their uh, preferred choice would be from 1 to 11. They'd been quite broadly sort of um, advertised as well. With it. They were in the Chronicle, yeah, they, were, they were in they sort were, of various... Yeah, they were, um, they were well publicised. So we, what we found when we did that was there was a good deal of support uh, for a boycott. There was a good deal of support for a late walk-in. Uh, there was a good deal of support for um, political intervention, which we're, we're still following up, um, and also for uh, activities uh, around the country um, to... Um, to protest against uh, Ashley's businesses. So what we've tried to do is to take that on board. Um, the, initial, the initial views of the group um, back in July were we were going to focus very, very heavily on Sports Direct and we were staying outside the stadium. But um, if you're trying to run an open democratic um, movement, then you have to take account of the views of the people who are attending those meetings. And by and large, they recognise that there would be a price to pay in terms of um, moving uh, the protest inside the stadium. But we felt that that was the right way to do it. And it had to be done in order to be able to achieve the level of uh, recognition and profile that the protest required. Yeah, I mean, like any sort of protest group, you, you start from one position, um, but you, you can't just remain static. You've got to move forward. So you can't, whatever your sort of founding beliefs are, um, you've got to uh, review those over time and take on board people's comments and the, the feedback that was very clearly um, sort of voiced at the open meetings, which, as I say, I just attended just as a, as a random bloke off the street, uh, was that... You know, you need to be doing things. The, you know, there were suggestions about it was a chart that threw tennis balls onto pitches and various other things inside the ground. And there seemed to be quite a, a, a strong voice for something more visible that would actually hurt them. I think one of the criticisms that I've sort of seen online is that most of the things that get suggested are so pathetic that Ashley won't even sort of register them as, as issues. So until you can actually sort of hurt things that are important to him, uh, and obviously money's very high on that sort of uh, list, most people would agree. Um, and the only way you're going to do that is visibly by having something happen either in front of cameras, whether that be a sky camera, which is obviously our hope in terms of the Wolves game, or even on a match of the day, uh, one for the game before that. Um, hopefully you might get a millisecond of, uh, of, of sort of time of people actually walking in an 11th, 11th minute, which is obviously what we hope mm. supporters will choose to, to join us with. But the other, the other thing to remember as well is that we haven't stopped doing the other stuff either. You know, we're still doing the stuff against Sports Direct. We're still encouraging people to use Sports Redirect, which I would certainly advocate uh, tomorrow uh, on Black Friday. Yeah. 
uh, for um, online purchases. Don't go to Sports Direct for online purchases. It's a crap site. It's a crap service, and it's not the cheapest on the market by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, use use Sports Redirect and and get get a, a better alternative with a better service and a better price. Um, so that's that's today's advert. <laughs> back to back to the point though, just to try and push it for these people who've been been mm. in touch who said they were broadly in favour of what the group was doing. And then all of a sudden we've had this escalation. Absolutely, take on board what you're saying. That you, you know you, you start out as one with one plan, and that obviously escalates. I think what these people would would I presume would say is that well, you were doing all the protests, like you said, you wanted to see Ashley back, Ash, uh, Rafa back in the summer. It didn't happen. Would it not have made more sense to wait and see what impact the initial protests have had outside of Sports Direct? And then if there was no investment in January and if there was nothing going on in that window, then to look at a boycott where far more fans are going to be included almost. Because I think people, the, the accusation is that the timing of this game, with it being close to Christmas, with it being December, it's, it's, it's bad timing. But again, I go back to, and I understand what you're saying, that you, you pushed the idea at the open meetings. If you'd, and maybe you did say this, if you'd said it you know, before the meetings, tonight you must come down to have a say you know, it might have attracted a few more people because I think a lot of fans feel that they might want to protest against Mike Ashley and they might want the owner out, but they're not ready. They're not quite ready and they feel forced, they feel pushed that this decision has been pushed on them so early, early in the season. Now, a lot of people are saying they had no say in the matter, but as you say, they could have come to the meeting, etc. But it seems like an extreme form of democracy to take a poll of two to 300 people to try and enforce on 50,000 people. That's what, the, that's what the feedback is to us. Mm. Have you got anything to say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the timing, first of all, uh, we, we discussed the timing um, at the meetings and um, at, at the, uh, the group itself. And we took the view that um, ideally we would want the, the, the club to back the manager in the January transfer window. Uh, and I think we're going to need that because um, certainly the squad as it stands, I don't think is is strong enough to uh, to stay up, uh, even with Rafa Benitez as manager. Um, so by by having the protest um, at the beginning of December, it it sent a warning shot across uh, Ashley's uh, bows that um, he needed to uh, back the manager in January. Just to interject, there was you, but you've got the two home games back to back you've got West mm. Ham so I totally agree what you're saying you could argue West Ham is that shot across the bows and then the boycott would be an escalation I think a lot of people are feeling they've been asked to do something they don't want to do against West Ham but they might consider it and then even though if they do that against West Ham they can't then go to the next home game and watch 90 minutes of football because the very next home game they're being asked to stay away and, I, and I th- the feedback we get is people feel that that decision seems to have been a little bit rushed which it may not have been you may have discussed it until the cows come home but there definitely is that feeling that the group has an arrogance about it. Now, I, now I know it doesn't personally, but, I, but yeah. there's an arrogance there that we don't want you to go in for the first 11 minutes against West Ham, and that's not enough. We also don't want you to go in for a full 90 against Wolves. Do you not think it would have been better to maybe try out that 11 minutes protest? Because what I'm thinking as a fan, and I'm, you know what I'm planning on doing whilst you know my personal mm-hmm. views, but if that, if that 11 minute walk-in fails against West Ham, and I'm not saying it will, but if it did, You've already got, you probably have the likes of myself and, and lots of us think, well, is it even worth me boycotting the Wolves game? Can you not see where people are coming from in terms of their unhappiness about how this has been handled? Because it's a very sensitive subject to every single fan. If you're asking me or you or whoever mm. to miss a game of football that you've paid for, mm. A, some people, we're going to go into more detail later, but some people don't want to do it. But if they do do it, they want to make sure it's been successful. And I, I think they feel this has been rushed and this has been the reaction to a few social media jibes that you haven't been doing enough. And would you say that's fair or is there far more to it than that? 
just look at the leaflet itself you can see from the dates that uh, when the planning happened it was sort of way back in October so there was at least a sort of six week lead period running into that um, we understand that people feel deep-seated uncomfortable sort of feelings about entertaining one or other and they're entirely in their own minds uh, it's up to them whether they want to do one other or both Hopefully they will do both. Obviously, um, the fact that they come close together, yes, they're sort of little, little, little more than a week apart. Although there is a, I think there's a midweek game in between, away game in between, isn't there? Um, actually, helps to, in my, to my mind anyway. And I'm, I'm talking as a fan here as much as anything else, to sort of demonstrate that there is an escalation going on. If you just do an activity and then wait another six months. To my mind, that's kind of not really hitting the spot. If, if yeah, I think it. I think it's I think the, the the intention was it would demonstrate the strength of feeling that um, you know we we would not only have uh, an eleven minute protest where we were walking in late, but then we would show that we really do mean this because we're not going to go to the next one either, and right. that will really put put you in, you know fully aware of the strength of feeling that we've got here. I understand the, uh, the concerns um, that people have around the, um, the, the timing and so on. Um, I would argue that in many ways it's very good timing where you know, it's, it, it's the final Sky game before um, Christmas, um, before the transfer window um, at, at St. James's Park anyway. And um, it felt like a, a, a good option to, to go with this. Um, the 11-minute thing, West Ham, again, we felt that that would be an option for people who maybe weren't prepared to protest but would be prepared to do that. We feel a, a full boycott is the ultimate way that we can get our message across to Ashley. And, um, but we recognise that there might be some who are not ready to do that. Um, personally, I think we should do both. Uh, I think it sends a very strong message it is the it is probably the only time over the last uh, few years that we've had this opportunity to do this. Um, I feel that this gives us an opportunity to give Mike Ashley a, a bloody nose in public, um, and it would be nice to turn the tables on him for a, for a change, where he's the person in the spotlight rather than the rest of us. I know there's been two earlier protests. I don't ask me the, the dates. The Tottenham one sort of springs to mind. And was there, was it Hull or something like that prior to that as well? We were sort of relatively close together. Uh, and whilst people might sort of perceive that they didn't potentially reach their goals in terms of there wasn't a, an all-out walkout, I think the statistics will show that Ashley did actually physically change his behaviour in the following uh, transfer window that came after the, the Spurs game in particular, where... They tried to massage the numbers to make it look like there was fewer um, didn't who were boycotting than there actually were. But I'm, I'm led to believe um, sort of numbers from police uh, or fire brigade and things like that suggest there were a good ten thousand, if not closer to fifteen thousand, absent on that particular occasion. We'll go back to the boycott in a bit because it's, it's probably the main bone of contention. Mm, yeah, I want to talk about the specifics that. more. So, Shirebrook, um, <laughs> two questions. The, the the most common question we got when we put this out to listeners was why should we do something when you yourselves won't back up your own actions? So that was the question number one. Question number two was what the hell happened? So uh, either either one. Okay. Well, first of all, was you did you did back up your own actions to, uh, um, on yeah on I mean that particular scenario we did I mean ba basically what happened was that um, we. Um, 
we took the view uh, late in the day um, because of the um, the numbers who were who were coming forward that um, we wouldn't uh, be able to uh, to mount a, a meaningful protest at um, Shirebrook, and therefore we needed to um, we needed to try and do something which was a slightly more guerrilla approach to well, what was going on. It's also worth mentioning that the actual idea to go down there in the first place also came, came about through the, the open meeting. meetings. That's right. Um, and so that's a great question, though. Yeah. So, I mean, you probably don't know, but <laughs> surely if that idea came from the open meeting, the people putting forward that idea should have been there. You would like to think so. Yeah. 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 They, for a variety of different reasons, and I'm not going to you know, criticise people because, I mean, they've got their own lives to live outside of Newcastle United. Um, but at the end of the day, there weren't very many of us left standing um, who were going to uh, do this. And it got to the stage where um, we felt there were better ways of using our resources than travelling down to Shirebrook. Uh, what we didn't know was uh, the number of people who were going to turn up at Shirebrook in the expectation that we were arriving. Who, who had never previously been in touch in, who, in any who, capacity. Who hadn't been in touch. I, I sent out a... Um, a tweet um, on the Friday asking people who were thinking of going to get in touch, and a number of people did, and I, I got in touch with them to explain that we were, we were changing our plans. I also uh, emailed a whole range of people um, who were involved in the various protests that we've had so far and explained to them what was happening in case they were thinking of going. But um, there were, I think, four people who got through the net who turned up um, and obviously, we're very sorry about that. I mean, it's um, we will we'll we'll change the way we do things like this in the future. If um, if people uh, are going to get involved in in this type of thing, then I think we will have to ask them for contact details so that we know who they are, where they are, how to contact them if there is a late change of plan. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the people you've spoken to have been perfectly willing to accept your apology yeah. and sort of understand. Yeah. So yeah, that was my next question was, yeah, have you spoken to those people? Well, Pretty much. Uh, spoken um, and by email and uh, text and things like that, yeah. yeah. And, you know, as I say, personally apologise. Uh, and I, I apologise again. I mean, it was, um, it was, you know, very unfortunate. Um, it probably could have been avoided if we'd thought it through in terms of the, the way that we allowed um, people to get the information about it without actually telling us what they were planning to do. So then we had no way of following them up as individuals to warn them that something was going to happen. We won't make that mistake again. So back, back to the point, is, it some, is, is the whole thing something you'd change if you had your time again? Would you not have proposed... And again, it is pretty drastic action to go to a, to, you know, near Mansfield, I think, on a, on a Saturday. Do you mm -hmm. think that maybe it, that was a big learning curve for the group in terms of what advice to take? Because again, I'll put it, I'll put it to you, there must be, I'm guessing here, 10, 15, 20, 30 people within the Magpie group, I'm going to presume there are those people. So of, of that number of people you would expect, and I would expect at least half of them, if they're going to put to the public to do this, and I appreciate you, Wallace, you, you were willing to go and you were going to go, so not, this isn't any individuals, yeah, yeah. but I think people listening are, are kind of trying to understand how how the Magpie group works and how the Magpie group could suggest publicly with that very well put together document that's in front of me here in yeah. terms of all the different individual action and then itself not even provide the numbers to go. Does it? Do you think it's, it calls for a kind of a, a bit of introspection about how you're going to do things in the future? And we're already starting that process. Um, I mean, we, we met on uh, Tuesday, I think it was, or Wednesday to, uh, to talk about, you know, the lessons that we could learn from this. But I think one of the things to bear in mind here is, you know, this is not um, a full-time 
employed um, sort of group of people. These are people who have family commitments, who are doing this uh, in the time that they can find spare away from all the other stuff that they have to deal with in their lives. Um, and sometimes, you know, as, uh, as John Ennan said, uh, life's what happens when you're busy making plans. I mean, it just, um, you know, you, you make your plans and sometimes something else happens and suddenly what you, when you, you thought you had 20 people going and suddenly you've got a half a dozen or something like that. So um, it's, um, yeah, it, what you need to do is to make sure that when life does interfere in plans, we have a, a, a method of dealing with that. We didn't have a method this time. We will in future. I think the other point, I suppose, to add on to the, the, that is the fact that the, the protests and the actions so far aren't the Magpie group as individuals' own ideas, which they just happen to be inviting the public along to join them at. It is a, it's a co cohesion. We're just trying to bring together the, the public's thoughts to begin with. So we're just another member of the public in that respect. Um, so, I mean, for, for my point of view, early on I knew that I, I, I had commitments that weekend. Otherwise, I would have... Uh, sort of volunteered, particularly when I knew that the numbers were, were weren't looking that great towards the end. I was and ended up working part of Saturday, so I knew from the very outset I couldn't make it. But as I say, when the public suggest they want to get on a bus and go down to Shirebrook, you try to make that happen, and that's really at the end of the day all the Magpie Group are trying to do: just facilitate people's protests because mm. they know everybody's sick of the situation. They're just a group of people who perhaps have a little bit more time, have a little bit more energy, and are perhaps a little bit more sick and prepared to to put put their head above the, above the parapet for one of a better term. What about the um, tweet that went out suggesting that it had been a strategical cancellation? People are very keen to know what's what's all that about because you've just well, apologised and yeah. the, group, the group the group apologised publicly. Yeah, quite rightly. Um, so you know it's hard for me. I, I don't have. I can't really understand what's going on here. So do you want to try and clarify that for people? What happened? Was it just an internal breakdown of communication? Was it a bit of attempt to save face or, or what? Uh, a bit of both, I think. Um, you know, we uh, we looked at well, we looked upon it as an opportunity to try to um, borrow from the the Rangers playbook in terms of um, doing something which was unexpected and saying you were going to do something which would then uh, force uh, Sports Direct to, to react. Um, so we deliberately didn't uh, publicize, very widely publicise the fact that we weren't going to go down because we wanted Sports Direct to still spend money on security and stuff like that. Um, but um, the, the other side of that was that... Um, the as I say, there were um, there were people who were obviously disappointed and let down by the fact that we didn't we didn't go down because obviously they weren't caught up in the and the rest of the planning that was going on. It was a, it was a strategic decision. We thought we could go around um, the other sports direct shops in the northeast and um, you know fly banners and stuff like that, uh, and that worked quite well. But um, the the problem was, as I say, the uh, the, the people who were let down in, in Shirebrook, and that, that's what I feel bad about. Yeah, yeah, I would second that. I don't think see any reason why those two things need to be mutually exclusive anyway. If, if you are trying to sort of make the best of a bad situation, which sort of latterly it, it clearly 
appeared as if it was going to be, um, you, you look for things to draw from a bad situation. And if mucking around with the security is a positive, then you keep quiet and don't broadcast the fact that, oh, by the way, we're not coming down tomorrow. Don't send your extra security guys in. We didn't know exactly how many extra security guys there were going to be, but we've been led to believe um, that that was going to be the case. So, you know. Do you think you've lost credibility because of it? Or do you think in, in the longer roadmap, people won't remember this in six months' time? I think we have lost a little bit of credibility because of it. I think it, but I think it is a short-term thing. Um, I'm hoping it's a short-term thing anyway. Um, and you know, I think you have to re- you have to look at it in terms of all the other stuff that we've done, uh, where we've come from, um, not having a group at all uh, until until July, um, managing to ramp up a certain amount of um, protest against Ashley and Sports Direct and so on. Uh, mapping out a, um, a proposal in terms of the uh, the planned actions for the remainder of this year, um, I think that that's quite a lot of uh, success in terms of uh, developing um, a, a sort of a, an activist organisation. Um, yes, this one didn't go didn't go well. As I said, and I've said two or three times now, there are lessons we've learned from that that we won't we won't make those mistakes again. But I think you have to say, you know, this is a bump in the road. Let's not forget when we are talking about, you know, things that haven't worked. Let's not forget that the, the thing that isn't working continues not to work is Mike Ashley's ownership of Newcastle United. That's the, he's the enemy. Yeah. You know, we, we, uh, we can talk to each other, we can criticise each other, but let us not lose sight of that. Mike Ashley has to go. Yes, agreed. Uh, London. Let's talk about London. Uh, one of the comments sent in was a reasonable suggestion, I think, that me, you, most people who support Newcastle are very critical of Keith Bishop. Uh, spin things he says and does or, or gets people to say and do. And the London Magpie group filmed themselves singing, we've shut down your street, um, Oxford Street. Now, this person says that there was a large-scale pr- protest which actually closed down the street. So should the group, I know you two aren't the Magpie Group sure. London. No, but, but I've, I've spoken it, to them. And I, I, so I'll, I'll just yeah. finish the question. So mm. it's like, it, you know, I, I don't think that the, the London Magpie Group managed to get that street closed down. And I, I can understand what they were doing, trying to maximise the efficiency of their protests. And I've got a lot of respect and time for them for giving up their Saturday to go to Oxford Street. Yeah. But would it not be best served for them to stick to the facts rather than being accused of, doing Keith Bishop-like tactics, because that name came up a few times with their actions, and surely it's the last person as a group, the London Magpie group, want to be associated with. As I say, I spoke, I spoke to the group uh, to investigate that very issue, uh, because obviously I was uh, concerned that, um, you know, if, if the messages are starting to get um, ex- ex- um, exaggerated, then um, that, that would be an issue for us. Um, I've been assured by the group that they did, in fact, close Oxford Street. They got a license from the police to do so. Um, and um, albeit it might not be been for a very long time, but they did do it. So um, from, from my perspective, if they've said this is what happened, then I believe them. I've got no reason not to. Fair, fair enough. Can't ask for more than that. Um, let's go back to the boycott then. <clears throat> Um, what is the aim of a boycott? What does the Magpie Group think will be a successful boycott? Because some people have been in touch saying that they haven't heard from the group, maybe on purpose, what the group is actually aiming for with this boycott. Whether it be numbers, whether it be end results, what, what's the aim? Some people feel like, well, I'm being asked to boycott, but I don't know why. 
Right. I think it's becoming increasingly apparent that um, as well as the, the fight against Ashley, which is, is ultimately everybody's um, goal, I think our first challenge is to win the support of the sort of, well, I'd love to use the word apathetic fan base, but the, the, there's an awful lot of fans who really aren't engaging with this as much as we would like them to. So there's a battle definitely to be won in terms of um, getting a collective that will will appear far more strong when we, we sort of talk to or sort of try to tell Ashley that we're not happy with what he's doing. It's all very well a few hundred or a few thousand people doing that. But if it's 50,000 people, he's going to find that very difficult to turn his back on. And I think like any kind of change that goes on in sort of um, big business, it takes a while to sort of build up um, your, 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 your sort of um, supporters within within the, for a particular idea. So we're really at the early stages of that. The group's such such a, a sort of young, fledgling sort of organisation. Our first battle is really to persuade fans that this is, is not going to go away. And even if it did go away in terms of the Magpie group for whatever reason, the problem still hasn't gone away. We're, we're, again, we're, we're talking about there's a danger of losing sight of the battle, who the enemy is. There is only one enemy, and if we weren't here doing it, then there'd be somebody else coming along, you know, the People's Republic of of somebody else, and it'd probably be the same individuals who would be chipping in with and volunteering in, the, in those groups. So you've got to start somewhere, and we have tried to ease in gently, both with the 11th-minute boycott and the, the, the full-on boycott at, at Wolves. The obviously aim of that being Sky Camera's going to be there. If there are big gaps... Um, and it doesn't really matter what the numbers are. If there was a hundred or a thousand people directly opposite the cameras in the east stand, that wouldn't be a large number, but it'd be quite significant because it would leave a big gaping hole. I'm not saying that that's going to be anything we could readily achieve, but what's what I'm saying, the actual numbers of people boycotting are less significant on whether it's a success or not. I think everybody will know whether it's a success or not, just as we did at Tottenham, even if the numbers are massaged. Yeah, I think the. I mean, we haven't we haven't set a, a numerical target uh, because I mean, frankly, um, we don't know what the number would be that would be a tipping point. You know, would it be five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen, twenty? We we don't we don't know. Um, what we do know is that um, if we have a, a significant show of strength uh, by Newcastle United supporters, and by strength I mean strength of will not to attend uh, a match. Uh, to demonstrate how unhappy they are about the way their club is being run, um, then that would inevitably feed into um, the media. Um, they would, st- and we've already seen. I mean, one of the one of the achievements of, of the Magpie Group, I think, has been that the the narrative around Newcastle United and its supporters has changed over the last few months. You know, the, the days where people were coming out and saying, "Oh, those Geordies are deluded," and you know, the, or Ashley's done a wonderful job, and He's, you know, he's, he's keeping the, the club afloat. Not that all that rubbish now has is, is, is more or less stopped afar from a few, you know, reprobates like Dennis Wise and Andy Gray. Who no one people, takes seriously. Anyway. Well, exactly, exactly. People so, on the payroll. Well, exactly. Yes, people on the payroll, indeed. And you know, it's um, so now we, we've we've changed that. But what we now need to do is to take it further and and sort of identify that you know the fans who are universally seen as being among the most loyal in the country. Um, the fans have have had enough, and um, they they want Ashley to go. They want change at the club. They want a club which starts to compete again for prizes rather than just survive in the Premier League to advertise some cut price sports shops. That's not that's not Newcastle United. I think for too long we've sort of um, 
had idle threats, but I suppose of of um, I don't know, walking away from the club, which anybody who supported um, Newcastle for as long as I have would would find exceptionally difficult. I appreciate that, and I've I've seen several of my sort of close friends and things like that throwing their season tickets over the last few years, and I know more often than not those seats just get resold again either you, you know you get relegated but then when you come back up again the, the seats fall and the capacities sort of bounce back up to 51,000 but for me personally I mean the, the thing that got drew me into this in the first instance was the the if Rafa goes we go hashtag uh, and to be honest I thought if the club can't make a success of themselves having finished 10th with one of the best managers you know, in world football at the moment, and certainly one of the best managers we've had since Sir Bobby and Kevin in, in my lifetime, they're the only three that I would say are real sort of contenders to actually achieve anything. If you can't make the club work, then it's quite clearly because the club don't want that to happen, or more specifically one person within the, the club doesn't want that to happen. And for me personally, the the club is on its life on its knees. It's it it really is sort of in need of sort of um, resuscitation. And if we get to the end of the season, which I think most people would agree, it's more than was looking increasingly likely that Rafa will have turned the, is back on the club. You know what what is going to be left? What what's the next stage? Who's going to maintain us in the Premier League? And do really do we want to be staying in the Premier League, just scraping by with? 30 points every year and the games this year I found so disappointingly dull primarily because you're just really thinking are we going to scrape three points here where are we in the league now oh we've got nine points after 12 it's pathetic you know that your your will is being sapped out of you just because there's no your players are going out onto the pitch practically with their bootlaces tied together we're being held back so massively by the owner of the club because it's his toy and all he wants to do is extract cash out of it. He has no interest whatsoever in the football club. One thing he has been very successful at is managing people's expectations downwards. I think, yeah. you know, we, we, we've got a situation now where people are apparently satisfied with staying in the Premier League. And, you know, when you think that last year we finished 10th, okay, it was a fairly fortunate 10th and a 10th, you know, with a, with a relatively low number of points. But nevertheless, it was 10th. And this season, um, the club's aspiration is 13th. <laughs> that says everything about Newcastle United under this regime. It does, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of look after matches. I mean, the last two games have been slightly different, obviously, because we came away with some points. But you kind of think to yourself, are we going to be last on match of the day tonight? You, you almost try to take some positive out of the fact of, oh, we actually got some points today. We scored a goal today. Perhaps we won't, we won't be the final game shown on match of the day, which again is a bit of a sad indictment from. Well, certainly going back to you've got plenty of pictures here from the Keegan era and things like that. We've enjoyed enjoyed such spectacular nights, and I just can't see when they're ever going to return under the current regime. It needs absolutely massive change to to, to get us back anywhere near. Aside from the fact that all the money that the, the, the top clubs now have swilling around and the and the, the leaps and bounds that they've taken, you know, we're, we're considering ourselves second fiddle. No disrespect to the likes of Bournemouth and Watford, but under Kevin Keegan, would we have sort of be, been fearful of of getting a one nil victory against Bournemouth or Watford? Absolutely not. That I mean, that speaks volumes in terms of where we've we've descended over the last eleven years, in particular. There were a few people, and it's hard for me to quantify this, but I'm going to take them at face value, who believe there has been a culture of abuse towards people who have anti boycott. 
Two, two, two questions they've got, or the main two questions people have got. Did you consult anybody before the boycott, before you had this idea of the world's boycott? Mm-hmm. Did you give anyone a ring who you knew wouldn't boycott and say, how do you feel about this? How is this going to make you feel? Um, do, well, number one, do you think that's a fair question for them to ask? And, did, and if did you do that? Was it, was it a consideration to give someone who you thought, you know what, this person's a staunch mark, I know they won't boycott, I'll get in touch with them and say, how will this make you feel? How would you want us to push this to you considering we know that you are probably the last person that's going to boycott was any of that given any consideration um no is the straight answer um i think given we, the resources of the group i think it would have been quite a, a, a difficult and tor- tortuous uh, exercise it, it would have been virtually impossible i think i mean basically we we took our lead from the public meetings um and Although we recognised that you know a, a boycott would be uh, potentially divisive, we felt that um, it was such a strong uh, feeling in the group um, that uh, we we really should try to uh, to implement it. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who will feel very uncomfortable about this for the reasons that you know you've already set out the fact that they pay for the ticket. Some people don't like um, being told what to do. I would just like to say we're not telling anybody what to do. Um, you know, you, people will make their own decisions. Uh, what we are saying is we believe this is a very good way of demonstrating our dissatisfaction uh, to Mike Ashley and also demonstrating our dissatisfaction to the rest of the country through uh, the uh, Sky Media. Demonstrating our dissatisfaction to Sky Media um, is an issue because they will not want their product um, you know, harmed by uh, people not turning up for games and so on. So it's, it's a great opportunity for us to demonstrate that you know, we, we have a certain amount of strength, we have a certain amount of will, and we're prepared to, to demonstrate that we won't, we won't be pushed around forever. Uh, and I think there is a feeling that um, you know, the, the support um, have tolerated a great deal um, from from Mike Ashley renaming the stadium, appointing Joe Kinnear twice, um, Dennis Wise getting rid of Kevin Keegan, two relegations, the countless lies and broken promises, all of that, and yet we we're still turning up. Now, that is a strength and a weakness uh, because if uh, Mike Ashley thinks no matter what he does. Um, 52,000 people will fill that stadium, then uh, we have to very quickly disabuse them of that notion. We have to put them on notice that actually, um, if this club is not run effectively and competes as a sporting institution, then supporters will stay away. I think certainly in the the early years, I think we were all a little bit deceived by what his intention was. He was this kind of man of mystery and he kept his, played his cards very close to his chest. So we didn't actually understand when he made a, what appeared a slightly random decision, what his motives were. But as those years have passed, it's become clearer and clearer. He does not care a jot about this club this year more than anything. And whilst, as I say, I've alluded to this already, people have sort of suggested I had a, a bit of a flame war over the weekend, actually, that if I jack my season ticket in, as, I, as I'm threatening to do this coming season, some more will be sitting in my seat next year. And quite possibly there will. But I do genuinely feel, not just myself, but having spoken to other people in a similar boat, the people are, are re- reaching a critical point where they'll just say, you know what, 
I'm not going to do it anymore. Just looking up at him in the stand, sneering down at the people has really kind of hit home with most people to realise what he is in for, and it's not for the good of the club. The having fun that he referred to 11 years ago, I think was his own having fun. It wasn't having fun sipping pints with fans, which I know he did for a year or so, didn't he, at the outset. So the the idea, there's a good question here. Is it true that the people within the Magpie group have fostered an us v them mentality on boycotters and not boycotters and is it true that you do not respect people who will take their seat for the Wolves game no it's not true no um, there are you know if someone doesn't go to the Wolves game then they should not be disparaged as being someone who doesn't care about Newcastle United of course they care about Newcastle United um, they may not wish to boycott that's entirely their decision um, and um, we would be, we would not want to um, be overly critical, or we would not want to be um, accusatory against those fans. What I would say is that the the bigger the boycott we can achieve, the bigger the message will be. So therefore, people have to make that decision uh, on on that basis. That if they attend um, the the match. Think about the implications of attendance. Um, deciding not to do anything is still a decision. And, you know, I believe very strongly that the time has come for us to stand up and say, no more. We're not going to take this anymore. Uh, we, we've had enough of this absolute charlatan running our club for his own private interests um, and it's time for us now to take a stand. And I, I hope that people agree with me. But if they don't, then, you know, that's their decision. But what they then have to recognise, I think, is that if Ashley believes that there isn't a strength of feeling against him, why would he change? Mm -hmm. If we, you know, if, if, we, if, we, if we don't try to change things, then nothing will change. It's not like this is going to be some kind of picket line situation where people are going to be throwing stones at people that are going into the ground. That's absolutely not the case at all. People are, are perfectly within their right to, to go in if that's what they believe at the end of the day. Um, but as, as Wallace says, not, not doing anything at all is increasingly becoming not an option. All that will do is delay what I personally feel is an inevitable um, change which has to come. It has to come at some point. And if it doesn't happen in the next few games or even this season, it will happen You know, in the next couple of years after we've been relegated again, after Rafa's long gone and we're, we're being managed by Joe Kinnear. The, 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 the irony of this is... It, there is a black and white. I'm, I'm an IT guy, so I often think in logical terms. There is a binary question at the heart of this: is do we want Ashley running our club? And I think I've personally never come across anybody who is an apologist. Everybody in the ground, certainly, and an awful lot of fans that don't go to games as well, wants Ashley out. So if the the starting point is a binary yes or no, we want rid of him. And we've already got a sort of majority, a, a massive majority of people who want rid of him. And the question is, when does the when does the process start? If it doesn't start on the by on on the first of December with an eleventh minute walk in, when do you want to do an eleven minute walk in? And what are you pushing it out for? If if we leave it too long, we we are desperately running out of time, particularly in terms of of Rafa's uh, potential to stay. Although I sort of, as I say, reiterate my personal opinion, it's a pretty slim chance that he's going to turn around now. 
short of Ashley going between now and next uh, June or uh, sorry May, which. Uh, unless somebody has a, a buyer in their back pocket that they're going to roll out and, and do all the due diligence. We're, we're almost running out of time for a, for a serious buyer to actually do any due diligence. But it's actually my opinion, he doesn't want to sell. It's just another one of his, his lies, another one of his PR sort of uh, I, yeah. actions. I think David's right. I, I don't think he does want to sell because I think Sports Direct is worth more to him than it is to virtually everybody else because of the way he uses it to promote the rest of his businesses. Yeah. Um, you know... Th- the fact that he's, you know, we've had George Corkin, who is a, a journalist I respect and believe, coming out and saying he has seen the bids that Amanda Stavely made um, for the club. And um, then for Ashley to say she was a time waster, well, of the two of them, between Mike Ashley, who is a proven liar, and George Corkin, who has a great deal of respect as a, as a journalist for a, you know, one of the uh, foremost uh, papers in the world, um, I know which one I believe, uh, and it's not Mike. Um, so, you know, the, the other side of it is that, as David said, there's a, there's a great deal of likelihood now that, that um, it's gone too far for Rafa. I mean, he obviously, you know, the, the level of trust between him and Ashley has, has deteriorated, so that's probably almost non-existent. He's trying his best to keep the club in the Premiership, and that will be, the, that will be his parting gift to the, to the club, I think, when he leaves in May. Then you're talking about who next? And we've seen his previous record in terms of appointments. I think we've done we've done nearly an hour, and I'm very grateful to the, the replies. You, you haven't ducked any questions here. You've given some honest answers. Um, hopefully, you people listening have got the answers you were looking for. Obviously, you know how, how you can uh, tweet the group, email the group, all those kind of things. One person did tweet and say, "Why, why is your website not working?" So yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a fair it's a fair point. It was an unlucky sort of uh, just um, coincidence, really. Um, I'm led to believe there was some maintenance going on last Sunday. Um, amongst the group, we were saying, anybody know why the website's down? Uh, when we sort of explored it on the Monday, because it was still down by the Monday morning as well, we, you know, we were questioning whether somebody had got in and actually brought it down just because they didn't like us. But I believe it was just some maintenance that went wrong and it took a little bit of a while to repair. It was absolutely innocuous. It was back up now. It was back up later on Monday, uh, I believe. Yeah, I th- but I've got to say, I think that um, you know the, the the website itself is fairly basic and could do, could do with improvement. I mean, I'm not an IT guy. Um, I've got I wouldn't have a clue what to do. But we have got people inside the group who know much more than I do. David being one of them, and um, you know, hopefully we're, we'll have a, a a better product for people uh, to to use in in the coming months. But again, it comes down to resources. You know, we, we only have a finite amount of time. Just before we sorry, wind things up, I was um, I should probably point out, I, I went to visit my mum, who sadly is in a, an old people's home yesterday, and, she, and just before lunch, in the last few minutes before our lunch, uh, they're all sat in the living room watching um, the best exotic marigold hotel. So I kind of sat with her and kind of watched a little bit of it. And there's a, there's a monologue towards the end that Judy Dench gave, and there's a couple of lines in it which I thought, wow, they're quite powerful and they're quite appropriate. So if you don't mind, I'll just kind of share them with you. So she says, the only real failure is the failure to try and the measure of success is how we cope with disappointment. It goes on to sort of refer to another bit, the actual storyline a little bit more, but then finishes by saying, we get up every morning, we do our best, nothing else matters. Mm. Final final question from me. Obviously, like you said, it's a fairly small group. It's a new group. Um, Do you think you've learned a lot from what's happened so far and will it stand you in good stead in the future particularly in relation to trying to win or trying to take on board the feelings or the 
way that people who disagree with you or don't want to follow your action might feel towards the things you say? We've, we've learned a lot. Um, it's to, been a, a, to, and, uh, and very quickly. Um, you know, I've never done anything like this before. Um, I don't think many of the people in the group have, um, have, have this. And also, you know, it's an emotional thing. Um, it's not just, um, you know, uh, doing a job or something. I'm very emotional about this. Um, I, I, you know, it, this, is, this is a club that I've supported for 55 years. Um, it's part of my life. It has been since I was a child. And, you know, the fact that Ashley has effectively taken that club away from me hurts like hell. So this is personal as far as I'm concerned, um, which is why I'm prepared to, to get involved like this. You know, I'm, uh, I'm retired now, so I've got a bit more time than uh, some of the lads who are involved, which is why I tend to do most of the TV interviews and stuff like that. Um, not because I'm particularly good at them, it's just I'm the only one left standing. Um, and it's also, you know, the, my name tends to get sort of bandied about a bit because my name's down as being the chairman. Again, I'd just like to clarify that. I'm not the leader of the group. The group doesn't have a leader as such. I'm the chairman because I chair the meetings. It's as simple as that. So, you know, from, from, it's, it's a very um, egalitarian group. Everybody has a say. Everybody has, a, you know, the same level of, of influence and the same opportunity to say, say what they think. But um, I would say that um, there are days, inevitably, when you're getting criticised, that you start thinking, why the hell am I doing this? Um, because, you know, as other people have found in the past, not just with, with Newcastle United, with other things on social media and stuff like that. If you put your head above the parapet, it tends to get shot at. Uh, and occasionally, um, some people will be quite um, uh, insulting and, and abusive in, in, in the way that they go on. Now, um, at, that, at that stage, you know, it's inevitable that you start thinking, why the hell am I doing this? Um, but then, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, well... The reason I'm, I'm doing this isn't, uh, isn't for them, those people who are abusive and who will, you know, basically um, troll anyone who comes up with any ideas or tries to do something productive. It's not for those people. I really couldn't give a shit about those people. Um, I'm doing it for the people who love Newcastle United, like me. Second that, absolutely. I noticed earlier in the week you were tweeting a Churchill quote, which uh, kind of mm. uh, <laughs> sort of uh, liked and whatever. There was another one that came uh, came across today, which I quite like, which is, you've, you have enemies, good. That means you stood up for something sometime in your life. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it feels like that at times. But I mean, you know, I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me because I'm doing this, you know, because I want to, yeah. because I believe in it. And, um, you know, it's a cause that um, I find very easy to get behind because this has been my life for 55 years. I'm buggered if he's going to take it away from no, us. No, no. And I suppose at the end of the day, there's no such thing as a bad protest in my book. I mean, uh, <laughs> nothing needs to get sanctioned by us. If people want to sort of, you know, paint their arses blue and, and stand on the East Stand with uh, Ashley out on it, then 10 people can make as good a protest as, as uh, you know, thousands of other people protesting and by missing a game. Um, we just need to get him out. You know, it doesn't matter when it starts. When, when it well, hopefully it'll finish sooner rather than later. But I would say though that I mean, uh, Davis made the point a couple of times about the East Stand. I mean, that's that's where I sat, um, and um, the East Stand is really important for this for us this time, because um, people in the East Stand can have a bigger 
impact than anywhere else in the ground simply because they are facing the cameras. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you're, in, if you're in the East Stand and you're in any way um, thinking about it and havering or what have you, I would urge you to go in late against West Ham and I would urge you to boycott because you can probably have more impact than anybody else in the ground. And even if you couldn't bring yourself to boycott, shuffle along so there's a big gap, so you're all bunched together at one end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time, both of you. It's much appreciated, and I hope uh, everyone listening and the people who submitted the questions have got have got some sort of answer that they're satisfied with. And yeah, um, run on the West Ham game. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.